the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See You at the Game website and your host for the See You at the Game podcast. Welcome to a very special edition in our series of interviews with CU student-athletes. Joining me for this episode is senior forward Evan Batty. The emotional leader of Tad Boyle's buffs, Evan spoke with me just a few days removed from one of the most memorable games in CU history, a 79-63 win over number 2 Arizona. We could have spent the entire interview on the Arizona game, but there's so much more to Evan's story. He talks openly about his fight with the California athletic system, which didn't allow him to play his senior year of high school. If that wasn't enough, Evan lost another bout the following year, this time with the NCAA, which decreed he had to sit out a redshirt year rather than play as a true freshman. Oh, and yes, Evan suffered a stroke during Christmas break of his freshman year. Any one of those events would have been enough to discourage any young man. But, instead of using those setbacks as an excuse, Evan used them as a motivational tool to become one of the most popular players in Colorado history. We'll talk about Evan's first standing ovation, coming as he stood alone to shoot a free throw at the end of the half of CU's NIT victory over Norfolk State. Then there was the collision with Stanford's Oscar De Silva in Evan's sophomore year and the emotional and touching way both teams handled the scary moments after De Silva's injury. This season, with a young team to guide, Evan has been a leader both on and off the court. We talk about his leadership, the ups and downs of this season's Pac-12 campaign, culminating in a senior day which Tad Boyle said could not have been scripted any better. So, what was it like to be recruited by Tad Boyle and to be part of a recruiting class which included Tyler Bay, Deshaun Schwartz, and McKinley Wright? Why is it that Evan doesn't feel completely comfortable with being called the mayor of Boulder? And what was Evan's response when Tad Boyle offered him a job with the team for next season? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back, and we are with a young man who is, with great affection, known as the mayor of Boulder, senior forward Evan Batty. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, just uh, for those that are listening in and want to know what sort of time frame we're talking about, we're a couple of days after 
the epic 79-63 win over number two Arizona a couple of days before the final regular season road game against Utah. So I guess my first question is, how are you holding up as your phone stop ringing, as your emails list of uh, requests for comments and uh, people patting you on the back? Has that gotten old? Have you gotten any sleep or are you uh, ready to move on to Utah? Yeah, the phone has stopped ringing a little bit and, uh, you know, people have kind of just died down and, you know, I've died down too. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm trying to come back to earth a little bit and, you know, kind of uh, move on to Utah. And, uh, I feel like that's an important step coming off such a, uh, emotional and high emotion game on Sundays. You really got to come back to earth at some point. So, <laughs> well, I could understandable if it's hard to do at this point, but we will. I could spend a half an hour talking about just the Arizona game, but I want to talk yeah, about I your, can too. your whole history here. Going back, you're an LA kid. Um, yep. You had a, a an unusual circumstance that you actually didn't get to play your your yep. senior year of high school. What uh, what happened there? So. I wouldn't know. I I don't know if I would blame it on my parents getting divorced, but I would say that the, the dynamic of the household when they got divorced, you know, their the the following years after that, so they got divorced when I was in fifth grade, and then sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, I was really struggling in school because of that. You know, just the dynamic of my parents' uh, household just wasn't what I wanted it to be, and. And I was struggling in school. I, I just wouldn't do my work. Like, it wasn't, like, anything that's not indicative of how smart I am or uh, my education level. It was just, you know, the refusal to do my work and the refusal to have discipline enough to do my work. And um, I really have some challenges to mature. And, um, you know, I'm, I look back on it, and I th- I'm thankful that I repeated ninth grade because that allowed me to mature and it allowed me to um, really see, you know, the world and see education from a different standpoint and recognize that I can't do this without education. So, I mean, in that sense, it was all good. But when I got to my senior year of high school, I had already used ninth grade, second ninth grade, sophomore, junior year. That's four years. And you only have four years to play. So as I, uh, by the time I got to my senior year, I was I was a young I was a young uh, first ninth grader. So my first year as a ninth grader, I was thirteen, kind of turning fourteen. So that's usually the age uh, the eighth graders are, you know, thirteen turning fourteen. So so I held back into my into my natural grade, into my um, age wise grade, and then uh, by the time the senior year went around, I couldn't play, so I ended up being a coach. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so here you are at 18 or 17 years old and you're getting your first taste of, of coaching. What, uh, how was it like being on the bench uh, as a senior in high school, coaching your own, uh, your peers? I mean, it was hard from the sense that like, I knew I, was, I should be out there and we tried to uh, petition for me to be out there. And, you know, the CIF ultimately said no. But, um, you know, at some point I had to accept that, accept that, uh, that ruling that they were saying no and just move on and, you know, recognize that I can still make my life the way I want it to be without them and without the need of, um, the need of them. So in that sense, I was just like, okay, let me try to be the best teammate I can possibly be. Cause I'm not playing, but I can be uplifting. I can be full of energy. My attitude can always be great. 
So those were three three things that I really focused on when I was not playing my senior high school. You know, just I I had to make an impact somewhere, but I couldn't make it on the court. So, wow. Well, and even with that, you were still a four star recruit. You had several dozen offers. Right. Um, if the rivals side is right, you had official visits not only to Boulder, but you also went to Miami and Purdue. Is right. That- yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, mm-hmm. I took my first official visit here in Boulder, and then I went to Miami uh, following, and I went to Purdue last. So actually, I committed. So I took uh, took a visit here, like the ninth, ninth through twelfth area, and then um, Miami, like seventh. 16th through 18th that area and then um Purdue like 24 through 26 and I wanted to commit on my birthday was which is September 27th so I wanted to commit on that day and then I did Colorado so that was a good day so what's a kid from Southern California going to South Florida going to West Lafayette Indiana <laughs> and Boulder what uh is there any t- connection between those three schools it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot in common between Miami Purdue and CU I would say I would yeah I would say that uh, LA and Miami is the closest connection as far as demographic as far as you know what you're going to see on the daily basis uh, as far as traffic wise all that but um coming to Purdue and Boulder was special for me because I was like just it really allowed me to get out of my natural habitat and Allowed me to go up in the mountains. I went, I went into um, the Flat Iron Mountains when I was here on my visit, and you know I I loved it. You know, me and my whole family were just up there and having fun, taking pictures, and we just you know marvel at the moment and really enjoyed our time up here. And you know that's one of the things that I felt like was a big part of my decision here to come here is it felt like such a family. Very good. Well, what's uh, what's it like to be recruited by Tad Boyle? You know, I mean, it's how I put it into one word. I feel like it's fulfilling because you know, is he? You know, what type of player is he recruits? You know, he recruits high character guys who uh, want to get an education and want to play basketball and want to compete at the highest level. I mean, and that uh, more than anything is what you all you can ask for, honestly, as a chance to. Uh, opportunity to have the opportunity to play against high level competition and get education. So um he told me from the jump that he he was recruiting high level guys but you know high character guys as well. And I wanted to be a part of that. And you know he, he made it uh really uh he put a really emphasis on the fact that I was a priority in this in this uh program. And I like that. I like that because it's, he shows how much he cares. So yeah, well, and you came in with the class, Tyler Bay, John Sports, McKinley yep. Wright, yep. and Evan Batty. That's a pretty nice hand to draw to. Did you know anything about your recruiting classmates? Did you have any communication with them? Did you know what they yeah. were doing or who was coming in? I mean, McKinley Wright, you know, came in late, but um, right, he, he came in late. Yeah, but uh, what was your impression of your own class as you were coming to Boulder? Well, it was funny because me and Tyler have known each other, you know, probably for seven years now because um, we played at one time on the same travel team, Dream Vision, mm-hmm. AAU. And, um, 
you know, he moved on uh, to another travel team and you know, we lost connection for you know a little time back then. But, you know, we still had, you know, all those moments of, you know, talking and laughing when we played together. And, um, you know, so I knew him the best out of all those uh, those guys. And we went on our visit, you know, the visit I was just telling you about, it was me, Deshaun, and Tyler. And yeah. us three were on, on the visit at the same time. And Deshaun and Tyler ended up committing. And I wouldn't commit because I wanted to honor my two uh, visits I had uh, set up. And I, I felt the pressure, though. I felt the pressure of everybody like, <laughs> oh, commit, man. We, we we need you. The three out of three. Commit, commit, commit. And I'm like, uh, I, I'm an honorable man. I, I want to you know, be a man of my word. So um, I took those visits. And then more of the story, we all, uh, me, Tyler, and Sean ended up committing. Now, at the end of the month. And then we had to wait until, I'd say, the spring, probably March, for McKinley to, to sign. Right. Because uh, I think the team made the NIT that year, uh, if I recall or not. We had to wait for him. Uh, and then that was our recruiting class. And uh, additionally, uh, Lazar Nikolic from Italy, yeah. we, got, we got him. So we had, we, had a, you know, we had a group of five, five freshmen that are really good. And, um, you know, when we um, all got to campus, we always challenged the older guys like, oh, this is the, this is the future. This five is the future. <laughs> like we, were, we had such a chip on our shoulder, just, you know, just wanting to prove ourselves and wanting to prove to just the team and community that we, you know, we're here to, to win and we're here to play. <laughs> well, being a four star, you, you know, expecting to play right away. And yet. Right. Academics issues reared their ugly head again, and right. you were you're going to be a, had a a red shirt year or supposed to have a red right. shirt year, a part of the red shirt year, and then even that didn't work right. out so well um, with the stroke you had. I mean, tell us about your your freshman year in Boulder was not uh, what you might have uh, expected when you signed or committed. Yeah, I mean, just from. I never understood the NCAA ruling, and now let me play because if you look at the whole, the whole cake of my high school career, okay, obviously I struggle already. You know, recruiting a grade is not, you know, not anything that should be skipped over. But I would say on the flip side of that is look at the progress I look at the progress I've made from my freshman year to my senior year of high school. In my in my senior year of high school, I was a you know three student. You know, had good grades. I get a SAT scores, you know, I just, I just keep kept building up, you know, kept understanding what's, what is the end goal here. And I felt like the NCAA was skipped over that, uh, that process is skipped over that, uh, that growth and that change. And so I was, I mean, I can understand it, but I was frustrated at the fact that I felt like they skipped over that. But even still, um, I knew how to do, I knew how to sit the bench because I did it the previous year. I knew how to not play. I knew how to. I knew how to encourage my teammates from the sideline. I knew how I had experience doing those type of things. So I had the stroke though. It was like okay, boom. Now I can't talk at all. This is a whole different ball game. Like, and my mom, my mom, God bless her. She she said the doctors were thinking about having me. Uh, stay home for that semester and you know just i had over christmas break and mm -hmm. the doctors were thinking about this you know hey stay home you know rehab all that 
And my mom was like, no, he needs to go back to school. Those people love him. He needs to go back to school with his teammates, with his coaches, and being a being a schedule, being uh being being in a, an environment that he can grow quickly, expeditiously. So she had the forethought and the foresight to do that and the uh, the bravery and the courage to do that as well. Because that's not easy uh, seeing her son away from you mm-hmm. after he just um you know had something so horrible happen to him. That's not easy. And um, you know, I commend her. Wow. Well, so between the California athletics and the NCAA and a stroke, that's a that's a whole lot for an 18, 19 year old to to try and deal with, but somehow yeah. you persevered. Yeah, I mean my mom would never let me feel sorry for myself. You know, when I went and played basketball, I couldn't play basketball my senior year. She said, this, this will this will pass. And I had my stroke. You know, she said, don't ask why this happened to me. Just keep on battling. Just keep on fighting through it. And, you know, eventually it will pass as well. And, I mean, that's my message to people, you know, really, uh, really going through stuff, uh, even going through anything that's uh, significant in their life, that it'll, it'll pass. You know, time time heals all, honestly. So. Yeah. so after two years of not being able to play, the game you love, you finally got on the court for the 2018-19 season. What stood out for me, the only thing I want to point out before you talk about the games of that season is the fact that you were Pac-12 all-academic. So I was just wondering if you ever had a feeling that you take that certificate and mail it to the California High School right. Association, oh. mail it to the NCAA oh. offices and say, uh, just, just hey, in what spite do you guys think about this? Yeah, ex- exactly. I know, I know. I mean, personally, I knew how I knew how smart I was, and I knew how. In my first semester at CU, I had probably a three point, you know, something, and I'm taking 15, 16 credits. And then after I had my stroke, I'm taking uh, nine credits. I only took three classes after I had my stroke because you know I couldn't really read that well. Uh, the information was kind of gobbled up and wobbled up. So, but that year, I was just like, since I've been at CU, I've been always trying to make a point. To the NCAA, I'm uh, I'm a capable student and more than more than capable. So more than capable, already got your degree and already in graduate school. Right. You know, right. don't want to. I don't want to gloss over anything, but I do want to. You know, keep us on point because we got a lot of stuff to cover here. Freshman year seems like uh, maybe the uh, NIT game was uh, one of the more memorable games. What uh, What do you remember from your freshman year? The uh, Oh, was it a wow. state game or what uh, What stood out to you that year? The NIT. Um, you know, when we, went, when we first made the NIT, it was just like, do you really want to be playing in this? Like, is it, is it like a thing that, like, you actually play hard in? Like, we had a lot of, like, questions and reserves about it. And at the end of the day, the competitiveness in our group, our, our core, me, Howard, we can't leave Deshaun, Kind of took over, and you know we started okay, like okay, we can really like win these games, and, and we played against Dayton, who had the Obi Toppin, who had um, I forgot their point guard name. You know they had a good team. And yes, that team, that team only lost two games the following year. I mean, we played some good teams, and um, I think you're talking about the Norfolk State game. Right. Um, I think I had, I don't even know what happened. But I had an M1 to finish out the half. And so my team, the the the, the, the clock has ran off. 
and my team is, you know, at the bench, and I'm shooting my free throw, and the people have not, the fans have not sat down yet, or you know, have not gotten quiet yet for me to shoot my free throw. They're just kind of like, you know, just all clapping and all, you know, hurrying and just all having a smile on their face, and you know, it was. I feel like it was like one by one, just each each person stood up and. And, and then next thing I know, it, the whole stadium was on their feet, you know, cheering me on and clapping for me. And I, I'm I'm clapping too. Like you know, <laughs> it, it was, it was just it was just one of those things. That it was a good moment, you know. And I I just didn't know why I deserved it. I didn't know what like uh like what I did to like deserve that. Like I didn't know like what it, like, what I do. But like uh, at the end of the day, it was you know it was fulfilling for sure. Well, I mean, you certainly have always worn your heart on your sleeve, not to sidetrack me, but just taking, I've never seen anybody that's enjoyed taking a charge more than you do. And whenever there's a foul, you must have a really great relationship with the referees because you've always got the, are you kidding me? Look to you. They they know you and they take you in stride and they, you know, it's all good. Yeah, they know me. They know me, they know me for sure. And you know, I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with the refs. Uh, this year, I'm, I haven't really been in foul trouble like that. This year, and I kind of just uh, have been a smarter defender and kind of used my hands less. I'd say uh, in terms of contact, in terms of just uh, just keeping my hands out and sliding my feet and really just playing shots high, kind of trying to avoid fouls. I know how much I mean to my team to be in the game, so. Yeah. So your your sophomore year, probably the, the Stanford game was probably the one most memorable game. Oh, my um, goodness. And that's going to be one that's memorable. I mean, you know, the team up, you know, had 21 wins. It was good, you know, good overall season, everything like that. But uh, yep. Oscar Da Silva, you know, right. not a, you know, a, just a clean basketball play. They just happened to, you know, have yeah. an unfortunate result and everybody – what do you remember about that that moment and how everybody came together on the on Yeah, that, that was that was a really special moment, honestly. Because I remember getting the steal and just pushing it and didn't really know how I was gonna finish it. You know, I kind of just just trying to get the rim, get to the ball to the rim as fast as I could. And uh he ended up fouling me and we kind of you know fall and I, I, I'm looking for a place to land my you know, he's looking for a place to land as well, and he's right under me. So, uh, obviously, uh, I'm trying to brace my fall, and obviously, what happens happened. And um, when I first saw, uh, when I first saw his head, I'm like, I get up, like I'm, I'm fine. How's he feeling? Oh wow, this is this is this is unbelievable. I've seen like I've never seen anything like this. So I'm like, at this point, I'm like, what do I do? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm a mess. Yeah. So uh, I went back to the locker room because I did hit my head, but um, I'm so worried about Oscar at that point. I'm just like, is Oscar okay? Is Oscar okay? And my mom is trying to calm me down. Uh, the equipment manager is trying, trying to calm me down. I'm just like, what is going on? Like, what? Like, how is Oscar? How is Oscar? And I couldn't really play until I, re- until I realized he was fine. Right. And uh, until I saw him, I'm like, okay, he's fine. Like, Everything's good. And I, I went out there. I was still crying. <laughs> you know, I was still, I was still emotional. Cause that's that's a, like that's an emotional thing. Like right. you know, for anybody anybody who has empathy, anybody who has actually genuine care about one another, you know, they they you want to 
you know, see people, you know, be healthy. You want to see people not get in those predicaments. And, you know, I was just so worried about him and um, just how his health is. And, you know, but at the end of the day, we all joined up, you know, joined up in a prayer. Us, our team, and the Sanford team just combined prayers, you know, just send us in the Oscar and a speedy, speedy recovery and best wishes. And that's all we could do at that point. You know, it's, what happened has happened. And, right. Um, it was a touching uh, moment for you know the Sanford players and, and us because we knew it was not anything you know right. uh, personal or hard foul. It's a hard foul, and it's part of the game. And yeah, so I mean, those guys were all really good and uh, really cool to us, and uh, trying to calm me. Even the Sanford players were trying to calm me down, like you know, trying to like say like, like you're good, bro. Like it's okay. And and um, yeah, I mean. That was a, that was a, that was a special night because you know I I've always been on the side of I'm I'm gonna show my emotions. I mean it's 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 not anything to hide. Like uh, I feel like most people, you know, uh, when they're sad or when they're you know, most men in this sport try to hide their emotions, and I'm not want to do that. I will show it. I will cry. I will I will laugh. Like I would I will show it, and uh, I'm not I'm unapologetic about it, about that too. So. Yeah. Does, does Tristan still give you a bad time about that in practice? You give him an elbow or something like that. And he says, what you doing? You got something against your family? I mean, <laughs> no, nah, I, don't, I don't give elbows. Uh, we're originally on the same team anyway. So. Okay. Well then your junior, you know, things are going well, pretty much a lock for the NCAA tournament, right? Before COVID yeah. shut things down. Right. Um, you were, you know, all Pac-12, honorable mention, most imp- most inspirational player, again, for the second year in a row. I've um, won this every time. Won it, yes. So, you know, what was it like, you know, making, you know, well, skipping ahead, you, get, you know, made it to the finals of the Pac-12 tournament last year, won a game in the NCAA tournament, the five seed, you know, took down Georgetown and then lost to Florida State. What was it like? Not only getting to the big dance, but winning a game once you got there. I can't even put an emphasis on how much fun the big dance is. Just from just from the fact that as a competitor, you want nothing else to be on the stage with the highest competition, with the highest level of talent, and having the opportunity to compete. Like you couldn't ask for anything anything better than that, in my eyes. And in my teammates' eyes as well. And it was so fun just in the fact that, you know, you understood that it's one to go home. You understood that, you know, it's all or nothing. And it just, it, it, it's, it's a certain level of pride, it's a certain level of energy that you get when you're like, okay, this could be our last game. And that Georgetown game, it's just Jabari was. You know, they, they they didn't read the standard report on Jabari. I, I <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it was good. It was everybody was firing on all cylinders, and it was just so fun. Yeah, we just missed out on having fifteen thousand fans in the stands. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, and then foreshadowing a little bit. You know, last you know, I said twenty-one points and a win over Arizona. So apparently, you know, you were. Kind of setting the stage for your your next home game against Arizona by uh, having yeah, a, a yeah. big game last year. Uh, <laughs> I think I got right. You you haven't lost at home to Arizona in your in your career. You've the no, I have not. 
No, okay. I have not. <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, I'm very proud of that. I haven't beat them there either. So yeah. Well, I got to kind of balance that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this year, moving in, I mean, 19 and 10, a chance at a bye for the second year in a row after CU never gotten a bye in the Pac 12 tournament. See how the games play out this weekend. Wasn't too long ago, last couple of weeks, where uh, Coach Boyle said that uh, this team was like a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get, right. and it certainly has kind of played out that way. You defeat Oregon on the road, everybody's excited. Then you head up to Washington, and the Washington State game was not one you want to watch again. And right. then going a five game winning streak, including three games on the road in six days, and everybody's excited. Right. Then you come home and there's Arizona State, you know, a team yeah. that's certainly better than their record, but a team with a losing right. record that's like, okay, if we're going to, you know, see who's going to split this weekend, it's probably going to be a win over Arizona State and a loss to Arizona. Right. What, what makes a team beat Oregon in Eugene and get killed in Pullman and then go on the road and three wins in six days and then come home and, and come out flat against Arizona State? What's a, not just necessarily see you in 2022, but just in general. Well, how is it that a basketball team can be so magnificent one night and so average the next? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to think about the psychology of athletes as well. I mean, uh, you think after you beat a team the first time, you, you think it's going to be easy. You think, you know, they don't have pride and they're not, they're not trying to, you know, win and, you know, tear the nails out of the floor just as much as you are. And uh, that's 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 a false way of thinking right there. And we have to have a little bit of a reality check to get that into our minds. And um, we made the same mistake against Arizona State the other night. You know, it's not, you know, coming off a three-game winning streak on the road, it's like, oh, this is easy now. This is <laughs> making, shot, making shots is easy. You know, playing defense is easy. In reality, it's not. You know, playing defense is supposed to be hard. It's playing defense is supposed to be Know, ugly and mean and nasty you know it's not supposed to be cool it's it, has, it, it wasn't admitted for that you know it's, it's things that you know this group has to learn and it's it's really indicative of our age but i'm not going to use that use that as an excuse because sure young teams has won before you know you can highlight the duke champions in 2015 i think you know those those guys were all young you know, except for uh, quinn cook who was the only senior on that team but those other five guys, six guys were all freshmen. Obviously, we're not Duke, but I'm saying young guys, youth have has won before. So um, that's not an excuse. And uh, I feel like we have to keep learning and have to keep taking those lessons. And, you know, Coach has done a really good job. Of, you know, when we do come out flat and we do come out, uh, lazy or whatever the case may be, he tries to look at it from our perspective and kind of, kind of just tries to look at it from the player's perspective and kind of looks at it from just glass half full mentality. Because, I mean, any coach can be negative at the time, like at the time of adversity. Anybody can be negative. That's easy to be negative at the time of adversity. But I feel like coach has a really good balance on his positive and negative. He's going to get on you for, you know, your mistakes there's no doubt about that but he's also gonna you know uplift you and also gonna get you you know ready to play the game and you know just at a at a, at a, at a mentality that will have you hungry 
Yeah. So was was that was the was that the conversation? Was the Friday practice? Was it uh, a lot of getting after it, or was it a lot of you know better, you can do better. Let's just go and do what we know what to do. It was. I mean, from the practice plan, it was times like you, you know you know it has to be done. Uh, I can't sit and fly the game more than I've had already. I have already. Uh, you know what has to be done. You need. You know what. You know what type type of uh, intensity you need to bring. What type of uh, energy you need to bring. And you know, either shut up or put up. Honestly, that was his message, and you know, we responded. Yeah. Well, walking into the event center last Saturday, I was talking with you know a friend that I would have said that. Uh, Probably Coach Well would have given him one salary not to have to play Arizona on senior night. But with all the emotion that's involved in senior night and everything like that, to have to play the number two team in the country just didn't seem like the the stars were aligned, especially after Thursday night's effort. And yet, I mean, it was certainly a a team win. You talked about Jabari did, you know, really well, you know, in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, there's different nights where different players shine, but Seems like against Arizona, you guys took turns being stars. That everybody had a few moments during the course yeah. of the game where, you know, KJ was doing well, and Luke O'Brien came in and gave a lot of energy. And you know, now you're hitting shots. And now Jabari's getting his stuff going. Just seemed like everybody on the team did exactly what they needed to do to beat the number right. two team in the country. Right, and I mean that's arguably that's when we're at our best. We can all contribute, and we can all kind of just chip in, you know, two points here and rebound there. And that shows that we're playing for each other. It shows in our assist numbers. It shows in our re- rebounding numbers. I mean, it's just indicative of um, the love we have for each other. And you know, when we were all scoring, we had five guys in double figures that game. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, we're all playing like that. And all playing for each other. I mean, we we can be anybody. I think. Yeah, well, that's one of the coaches' quotes. You know, if you play like that, you can beat anybody. And if you're right. capable of beating the number two team in the country, there aren't too many teams above that. So exactly, um, exactly. How was it for you trying to get? You know, as you say, you're an emotional guy. You know, you wear it on your sleeve. You got your mom there for senior night. How were you able to compartmentalize it and get through the pregame ceremony and still? be able to put on your game face and execute against a, a quality team. Yeah. And the pregame ceremony, I was a mess. My mom was a mess. My dad was kind of holding us together and kind of just you know, keeping us at bay and, you know, just keeping us level headed. But um, I mean, even coach was kind of a mess. Cause you know, we, like, we knew like how much when you know, we love each other, you know, we knew how much stuff we've been through together, me and coach and my mom and just, um, it was just like uh, the ending of it, not the ending of it, just time to move on in that sense and um, time to let it go. And, um, you know, coach is always going to have a special place in my heart and, and he knows that. And uh, my mom knows that. And so, I mean, and I'm going to always have a special place in coach's heart. And that's why it was so hard to, you know, hug uh, in the pregame ceremony because it was just like all emotion kind of built up to that. And um, well, I tell you, after the game, after we won, I don't think I cried another time. You know, I I, I just uh, except for the video when they showed the video of my <laughs> teammates, but uh, during my speech and everything, like I was good because I mean, I know, I mean, 
I, I know how the city of Boulder feels about me. And I feel the same way about them. You know, it's yeah. it's a love that it's a love that is, it, it is reciprocated on so many levels. And wow, I'm just so well, thankful, honestly. Yeah, well, I think everyone's going to remember the last couple of seconds or, you know, 16 point game, Arizona's kind of folded up the tents a couple of minutes early. Didn't even try and foul the last couple of minutes, just kind of ran out the right. clock on both ends, put up a long shot. Jory Walker gets the rebound, dribbles up to midcourt, but you're not going to midcourt. You're going back to the student section and yeah. you're waving everybody on for two part question. One was that in your head before the game started. And two, if you, Seeing the picture in the, the daily camera, which is right at the moment, right at the end of the game, where you're turning around and you're you have this biggest grin, there's you know, screaming fans behind you. Everybody's just starting to run out of the court. Yeah. And if you haven't got that printed out and framed, you're gonna need to because that's gonna be wow. something you're gonna look at the rest of your life. What so was it premeditated? It was like, hey, if we win this game, I want the students on the on the court, or is it just the the rush of the moment? It's like Ah, I got to well, get these it, guys and get them on the court with me. I would say that, you know, we won the game. People were coming on the court anyway. Yeah. That's, you know what I'm saying? That, I mean, <laughs> we just beat the number two team in the country. Like, people are going to storm the court regardless of what I think, regardless of what I do. But I would say that um, I wanted people to come out and enjoy my last game with me and enjoy the last moment we had to, you know, have together in this building, in this floor with me. And when I, when the clock would hit zero and the fans started to run out, I was turning around and celebrating like I'm leading the charge almost. Because <laughs> it was, I mean, it was emotional and it was a hard fought victory for us, and you know, uh, the guys deserved it. And um, they haven't had the uh, experience of a, of a rush court. I mean, I've had, you know, I, we've we've been in Oregon when they were number four in the country and USC and you know multiple teams like that when we stormed the court. But I mean, they haven't because COVID last year they didn't have they didn't have that uh, right. experience. Our sophomores, so um, and our freshmen either because they they're new here. So in that sense, I was like, just wanted them to experience that you know with me that one last time because that's a memory that we're not going to ever forget. Yeah, well, in your your speech, you talked about coming back and being the the head coach at the University of Colorado. There's a uh, was Tad Boyle aware of uh, of your plans? Did you get it all worked out that he's got a couple more Pac-12 championships, a couple of Final Four runs, and then he's just going to turn over the the whistle to you? Is it uh, you got it all worked out? Uh, I wouldn't say I have it all worked out. Um, you know, I, I, Coach Boyle actually offered me a job on the staff next year's team uh, this summer, and. Um, I said no because I wanted to play pro for for okay. a while. Right. So uh, I wanted to play pro, and we actually filled the position with uh, Zach Rubazon. So that position is filled already. But you know, I said, Coach, when I'm done playing, I'll always, I'll always come back. Like you know, like I'll always come back here. It's my home, and um, he he knows that. I know that, I and mean, we we believe that to our core. So. Um, you know, it's really, it's really a time. It's really a thing like when is that going to happen? Not like if it's going to happen. It's when it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, you talk about, you know, the loyalty to, to Boulder. Boulder is home. You know, we're living in an age where, you know, see what head coach leave in a year. We had just an assistant <laughs> football coach leave in two months. Yeah. Twenty four players in the transfer portal. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, you are you just uh, 
a dinosaur? I mean, what is it that, uh, you know, you said I couldn't, you know, you're eligible for a sixth year. So you don't want to do that. You're not going anywhere else. Nope. What is it about you and, and see you in Boulder that is so unique um, compared to what we're seeing in, in the world today? I just think, I just think, and personally for me, I think the love that, you know, is reciprocated throughout my time here and uh, uh, my time in Boulder. I mean, and the love I get from the fans, I just couldn't imagine getting this, getting this type of support and love from somebody else. Um, it, I mean, I'm not interested in it as well. I mean, I'm just, I'm above, like, I'm above through and through. And I can't really put on some of the school's colors and jerseys and try to, you know, emulate like I'm one of them because I'm not, I'm above. Excellent. So kind of alluded that you already got your, you already graduated, got a degree in journalism, you're doing a master's program. You're a finalist for the senior class award this year, which stands for celebrating loyalty and achievement for staying in school, which I don't think there's anybody that could be a better poster child for that. Inspirational, you're on different, you know, PAC 12 committees, you're, involved in the community. There's a reason why you're known as, you know, the mayor of Boulder. Do you uh, embrace that? Is that a nice honorary title for you to, to, to leave your last year of eligibility? Uh, I wouldn't say I've embraced it because Spencer Dinwiddie's the first mayor. <laughs> I mean, he's the mayor. I mean, that's how we used to call the mayor. I mean, before I was even here, but I mean, in, ref- in retrospect, there is multiple mayors. There is a mayor that, you know, once that term ends, another mayor has to, you know, come about. And, you know, from that sense, I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'll accept it. But um, I think I do think it's a little, you know, not cheesy, but it's like copying off of his name. And I, you know, I want to pay my respects to my big bro who's actually the mayor. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, you've still got some games to play. You're already the all-time leader in wins uh, for those that have donned the, the CU jersey, which is a record that you could certainly be proud of. And you got some work to do uh, in Salt Lake City this weekend and then Las Vegas after that. And then we'll see what postseason lies ahead. But thank you for your, your time. Thank you on behalf of the Buff Nation. It's been uh, a great ride and you are certainly one of the more popular players in the the history of Colorado basketball. So thank you for all you've done for the University of Colorado. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed my time here. Thanks for listening. This episode and this series of interviews would not have been possible without your kind contributions to the See You at the Game NIL campaign. So thanks to all of you for supporting your CU student-athletes. I'm very much enjoying these interviews, and I look forward to meeting and interviewing more student-athletes in the coming days. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming interviews. Check us out at Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, pretty much wherever you download your podcasts. Subscribe and make sure that you're there for every interview in this 20-interview series. So, until next time... Be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to seeyouatthegame.com. 
That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to seeyouatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.